we're uh, kicking off a new series, and, uh, you know, it's called Alone. And, uh, you know, and, and whether we realize it or not, uh, we all deal with this at some level. And uh, we can fight things and work through things. And the thing is, is that many times in life, we have things that we think will bring fulfillment when in reality we get them and it's like a sandcastle. It's pretty till the wave comes and it just kind of gets washed away. And it's like, man, I did all that for what? And so, you know, there's things like you could get to the pinnacle of your career, if you will. You're like, man, I've got a good job. I'm making good money, but why don't I feel any different? I thought once I had some money, I thought it would make me feel better. Maybe it's, hey, I thought when I got married, I thought I I I wouldn't feel so alone, but I I almost feel more alone now that I'm married. See, we have these thoughts. We have these things that that we believe, that we really buy into. We think, oh, if I just get a bigger house... If I, if I get that new car, if I get this, or if I have that, we think we can buy things. And this is more than just happiness. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is really us having a belonging. Because when we don't have belonging, we very quickly become alone. And yet, God has a very different plan for us. Because look, you can be surrounded by people and be very alone. And feel very isolated. And that's a tactic of the enemy. But yet the Bible gives us lots of instructions concerning this. That it would do us well to pay attention to. And so I want to share some thoughts with you. A part of why I believe that this is happening. Because it's really, and as I studied and, and, and researched and things for, this, for these messages, I begin to, to look into things. And, and, and really, and this isn't even just my verbiage. These are psychologists, psychiatrists are saying we're at epidemic levels of loneliness. Like 50% of our society would say, I feel desperately alone almost every day. So that's not even saying like once a week, couple days a week, like every day I feel desperately lonely. 50%. And this isn't just in America. This is worldwide. And they're saying, we have no clue what to do or what to say about it. So this is a very much universal thing that's going on in our society. Now, it's nothing necessarily new, but I think that we do see much more of it. And I believe some of it stems from is people want answers, but they're not finding any answers. They want answers to questions, but they're not finding the answers that they need. Or the answers that they find don't satisfy. And I think that's probably more of it than anything. It's like, well, if I get a bigger house, no, now you just got more pressure because with that bigger house came a bigger note. And what you thought would bring happiness now became a burden. So now you got to work more, and now you're not with your family as much, and now you see what I'm saying? And it just stacks. And so what was supposed to be a blessing has become a burden. That's why it's so important that, what, the Bible says the blessings of the Lord make one rich, but what? They add no sorrow. They add no burden with it. That's why, I mean, I never buy stuff without praying about it. Not, you know, I'm not going to the store. Should I buy this Snickers bar? Not, I'm not going to ask the Lord that. I want a Snickers bar. I'm going to buy a Snickers bar. You know, but I'm not going to do something like go buy a car or buy a house or why? Well, number one, let me just tell on myself because I bought a car without asking the Lord and he still tried to tell me don't buy it and I bought it anyways and I paid more for the car repairing it than I paid for the car. 
and it wasn't a cheap car. I thought, I'm never doing that again. Lord, should I buy this car? No, I'm out of here. Like, forget it. It's not worth it. Lord, should I be in this relationship? Because some of our loneliness, and this goes back to that freedom group I was talking about, says, I got hurt, therefore I'm not going to be in relationship. Well, I got hurt in a church. I'm just going to come on the weekend. I don't want to get involved in a relationship with people because if I get involved with them, then I'm going to open myself to hurt and I've been hurt. And what happens? So you isolate. And yet Jesus wants something much better for you. And see, all of these things happen and and we're being driven by this. And and it could be, number one, is that we are alone. We we have those, those, those feelings and they are real. But I've got good news for you is that you can do something about those feelings. You don't have to live in that place. And so, you know, we see it in our culture. We see it in society. Suicide, crazy high. Self-harm, off the charts. People who are inflicting damage on themselves continually. I call it self-sabotage. Sometimes, and I've seen this happen with people, which I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, please stop. But they're making decisions because everything's too good. And they're waiting on the shoe to drop. And so they self-sabotage because they say, I would rather train wreck it than to get blindsided. And And really, they're living in fear. And it's driving them into isolation. You see how the enemy works? Why? Because if he can isolate you, he can overcome you. That's the way the enemy works. And yet, this is the way that he does. And so, you know, I mean, I see this all the time. You see it all the time. I mean, I feel like every week we see this, because as I was studying and reading and doing some things in preparation, is that we see this in, in Hollywood. We see it with, 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 you know, famous people and celebrities. And it seems, I mean, I just saw one this week. While I was studying, I pulled up a news site, and a, an actress, which I didn't even know who she was, hung herself. She was my age. Hung herself. And here's the thing. Loneliness has nothing to do with personality because some of the most lonely people I've ever known were some of the most extroverted people I've ever known. So it's not just like, well, I'm an introvert or, you know, I don't know. Why? Because you, you feed off of the energy of people and yet, like, I'll give you an example. And this comes into my own personal world, if you will. There are lots of people who stand on platforms that once the lights get turned off, go back to a room by themselves and they will drink themselves to sleep. Why? Because the people are gone. They gave everything they had and what? They were left empty and alone. We see this in our society over and over and over and over again. It plays out. I actually learned a new term when it talks about celebrities. It's called fame fatigue. It's the, and it's actually a, a term that they use for people who are in the spotlight. It's the pressure of being on all the time. But it's the pressures of success. See, sometimes we can even attain to a level of success and then get so fearful that we're going to lose it all. Therefore, you can't even enjoy the success that you have. 
You may not be famous, but you can have some success fatigue. All of a sudden, you get nervous. You start getting real worried. Hey, I've got good news. God is still on the throne. He is still working in your life. doesn't matter your season or your stage of life. I have no reason to fear. You have no reason to fear. Why? Because my God is paying attention to me. Not because of me, but because he loves me. He's paying attention to you. He knows you. He sees you. And it's very important that we understand this. But even these things are not reserved actually to even famous people. Research actually says that the younger the generation, the more lonely they feel. Now, the numbers aren't that wide. They range from about in the 40s, 40% of people. Now, this was of 20,000 people that they did this study on over about 10 years. So this is a pretty broad study that they did. Didn't matter the generation. The oldest generation was about in the 40% of people who felt lonely. And they went all the way down to 18-year-olds which they were in like the mid-50s. So, this again, it's not personality and it's not generational. This is a universal thing that people are facing right now. Now, I will say, and we'll talk about this in a couple of weeks, is that parents, you ought to be paying attention to your kids. They need some FaceTime with you. Like, when I say FaceTime, I mean face-to-face. <laughs> Like, I don't mean get your phone out and call them. Why? Because it, it, it could make all the difference. Why? Because they feel alone. Don't let your kid go hole up in the room and play video games all night, and they never talk to you. Amen. I mean, my kids are babies. And I'm like, y'all come sit at the table. And Max's like, I want to watch TV. I'm like, come sit at the table. I need eyeball contact with you. And he doesn't like it, but guess what? If I don't do it when he's four, I've got no hope at 14. And you say, well, I've already got a 14-year-old. What do I do? Turn the TV off and make them come sit at the table. Start making the investment. Start to believe God. Start to attach your faith. It's not too late. It's just easier to start earlier. So start earlier. See, by definition, even the word loneliness is this. It means feeling alone, right? It means to be alone or to be disconnected. In the most connected time in history, more people feel disconnected than ever. To kind of give you perspective, when the Bible was written, most people never traveled more than 30 miles in their lifetime. In their lifetime. We can run to Lafayette in a day, eat lunch, and come back and not think twice about it. You just traveled more than the majority of humans in history. We don't think anything about it. And yet we have all of this technology, we have all of these things vying for our attention all the time, and yet it leaves us more and more and more isolated. We feel more and more disconnected. Nobody sees me, nobody knows me. Does anybody even care? All these thoughts come, and they are universal. Every one of us deal with them. If I wasn't here, no one would care, no one would notice. That's a lie of the enemy. He is trying to get you to devalue you to yourself. And and, and and it really is something that the enemy has used in a masterful way to deceive people, to buy into something that's not true. And we know this to be true. 
is that you can have a thousand, ten thousand, or a million friends on social media, and yet it means nothing. Like, who's picking up the phone to call me? Who could I call? See, it, it's, life is about having meaningful, personal, in-person relationships. I mean, I have friends that we talk on the phone because they live a long ways away, but it's different sitting at the table eating lunch with them. And we all need those relationships desperately. I mean, it is one of our values around here. We believe in the power of relationship. But without that face-to-face, there is no connection. Now, I'm going to speak to the online audience for a moment. As much as I'm glad that you're here with us, I'm telling you there's nothing like being in this room. Because you can hide behind that screen. But... And I believe God will work, and I believe that God will speak, but it is not a replacement for this in the room. Because there is a family, and there's something to be connected to, because we all need face-to-face. And you guys are here in the room, and that's powerful. But you know, you can run in right as service starts, or maybe a little late, so you ain't got to talk to anybody. And as soon as I say, amen, you hit the door, so you ain't got to talk to anybody. And I'm telling you, the enemy is working on you, and you're unaware of it, and he's robbing from you the power of relationships in your life. And you wonder why you feel isolated. Because we run from every opportunity to actually have a relationship with anybody. And it, you're like, well, I'm just, I just, I, I'm busy. Everybody's busy. So let's talk about not just living, but quality of life. I want to enjoy life, not just have a life. Amen. Well, if I'm going to enjoy it, you know, I mean, we were talking, who, who, oh, we were talking the other night at the float. We were talking about like four wheelers and jet skis. And, and this was our, our conclusion. One ain't no fun. If you have a jet ski, you got to have at least two because I don't want nobody riding on it with me. The last time somebody rode on a jet ski with me was my wife when we were dating, and I punched the throttle, and she continued to hit me until I stopped. And I'm like, that wasn't fun. So we had a disagreement in the middle of the lake, and I got off the jet ski, and I just floated for a little while. And she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I know boat safety. If people are coming, I'll wave. Don't hit me. And she left me. Can you believe that? She left me. For a moment. And then she came back. No, but I mean, I, I, mean, I grew up riding four-wheelers and dirt bikes. They're not fun by themselves. It's a lot more fun to ride with somebody. How many of you have a motorcycle in here? How many of you like to ride by yourself? It's more fun. I mean, I like to go snowboarding, right? I like the mountains. It's more fun with other people. Now, I'll still go by myself, but Darren's like, that's weird. And I'm like, I don't really care. But it's more fun with people. Why? Because we are hardwired for this. This isn't like I'm trying to convince you to do something or to be something that you're not. No, you are hardwired for connection, for relationship. See, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created everything. And he said, man, that's good, that's good, that's really good, that's very, very good, that's exceptionally good. And then he came to Adam and said, that ain't good. It's not good for man to be alone. He's got, now, men, I might give your wife some ammo, let me preface this. You and the deer stand ain't enough. 
Because Adam had all the animals in the world, and God said, it ain't enough. I just need me and my bass boat. (laughs) Now, I like fishing, and I like going and getting quiet. I'm not against those things. You know, somebody posted here a while back, and I thought it was really cool. And they said this is that religion is a man sitting in church thinking about fishing. Relationship is a man fishing thinking about God. See, when I go and fish by myself, it's me and Jesus. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm listening for the voice of God because everything else gets quiet and my mind kind of goes numb. You know what I'm saying? And I don't have to think too much, just enough. Hoop, you know, it's one of them deals. And, uh, you know, so my mind's occupied just enough. Like, you know, if, if I got nothing going on, my mind's everywhere, but I got just enough to keep me occupied, I can hear from the Lord. And uh, you say, no, God said everything in all of creation was good except for Adam to be alone. Now, I understand that he was talking about a helpmate there, and I get that. But Adam also had a family. He also had relationships. He had people around him as well. But for a time, it was just Adam by himself. And, and God gave Adam a job. Adam was doing the job, but it wasn't fulfillment enough by itself. There needed to be a, a relationship and a connection. And, you know, as I was preparing, I was thinking about, um, you know, what I was going to communicate and these things. And, and I remember a number of years ago, Darren, I had the privilege of serving as youth pastors for a number of years. And um, we were in Kansas at the time. And so we had a bunch of northerners. Now, I know y'all call me a Yankee. I'm not a Yankee. I was born above I-10. I get it. But let's just settle it. I'm not a Yankee, okay? I can bring you some Yankees. I, I do not qualify. They still make fun of the way I talk, so, you know. And, uh, but anyhow, so we brought a whole team after Hurricane Katrina. We brought them down to New Orleans. We actually went and served a church down there. And uh, so for many of them, though, it was kind of like, uh, oh, how do I say this politely? Let's just say it was like an episode of Beverly Hillbillies. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, we ain't never left the state. We ain't, you know, whatever. And so we had a team of like, I don't know, 15, 20 teenagers, and so we're coming down. And so we decided that we were going to break up the trip because it was too long to drive in a day. And of course I'm from Shreveport. So we just thought, Hey, we're going to drive to Shreveport. And we're going to stay with my parents, all of us. It's crazy. And, uh, yeah. So like all 20 of us crashed into my parents' house. There's kids everywhere and whatever. We're just there for the night. And, uh, but it'd be, but what was funny about it, because I don't know if you're aware of this, but people in the North ain't quite Southern, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, And this is one of the things that I would say. The further north you go, the less people touch. Okay? Let's just... It's just not as warm and cuddly and friendly, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and I'm not that warm, cuddly, and friendly. So for me to say that is like, you know... But anyhow, so our teenagers always talked about, though, they're like, man, your mom gives the best hugs. Because it ain't none of this like, hi, darling. Like, it's like... And just hold you. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that hole where it's a little too long and a little too uncomfortable. And you're like, all right, let go. Well, <laughs> you know, and that can make us uncomfortable, especially for us men. We go to hug one another. We're like, you know, the two pats and we're good. And, uh, you know, like that's, that's, that's all I need. I don't need nothing else. And, uh, you know, but it's funny, though, because when you actually begin to go look into it and actually the psychology of it, you know, there's a chemical in your brain that gets fired when you get hugged for 20 seconds. 
They call it the happy, the happy uh, chemical. It's called oxytocin. By what? Just some affection. Now, I know men are like, I don't need no affection. (laughs) Get off of me. It's funny, though. You go to a football game, and guys don't really seem to mind hugging, high-fiving. They got their shirts off. They chest bumping. I mean, you know, it's like, hold up. Like, we at the game, and we can be all kind of like all on each other, jumping on each other, like, hey, you know. Oh, I don't want nobody touching me. Hold up. Wait, 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 wait. A grown man was just piggyback riding on you across the stadium. Y'all both didn't have your shirt on, and y'all was okay with that. I'm so far off of my notes, but that's okay. It's okay to laugh in church. I mean, you know, we have man code. We just, certain parameters like, well, that's in that space is different. I just got a snort. Hello. Hallelujah. I felt the Holy Ghost on that one. And, uh, I'm in a mood today. Maybe it's Mardi Gras. I don't know. <laughs> Something rubbed off on me Friday night. I don't know. But Now, look, hey, it's important. And look, and I'm making light of it partly because of this, because it is very serious. And it can be uncomfortable. And yet, it is a very much a felt need for everybody. And, but here's the thing, and this is what I want you to catch this morning. And we're going to be talking about this over the next five weeks. So this is week one. We're going to have five weeks. We're going to be talking about different levels, different areas, different things that uh, we really can help us to not feel so alone, to not have those sense. And yet this one here, if you don't get this one, all the rest don't matter. They really don't. And because the thing is, is that we can have all the natural relationships, and that's important. We need to have friends. We need to have people around us. We need to have people in our corner. We need to have people that have our back. That's important, but they're not ultimate. They're not ultimate. They are important, but they are secondary to the first one. And and look, and for most of us, we know this. As a matter of fact, I say every human being knows this already. They just don't know what to do about it. And it's this, is that we have all been created, we've been hardwired for what? A connection with God. Ecclesiastes says it this way, is that God has put eternity in the heart of every human being. I don't have to tell you that eternity is real, like there's something beyond this life. You instinctively know that. Even people who refuse to acknowledge God will say that that there has to be more. Like we don't just die and that's it, game over. Like there's more. Well, why is that? Because God put it in our heart. He, he already wired us to have an understanding that there is something more than this life. And so, uh, you know, one of the statements that I wrote out, and I believe this is true, just even in my own experience, if you will, but also dealing with people for multiple decades now, is that we feel most alone when we've lost our sense of identity. It has nothing to do with how many people are in the room. It has to do with who we see ourselves. And, and we feel most alone when we have no identity. 
Like, who am I? What am I doing? Like, my life doesn't matter. It doesn't count. You've lost your sense of identity. That identity is, who are we? It's that question. Who am I? Why am I here? There's identity. And every relationship, what, will flow from what we believe about ourselves. Every relationship. The most important relationship when we start talking about whether we feel alone or whether we feel like ourself or, or whatever it may be is our relationship, our connection with God because it starts vertically. The vertical relationship affects every horizontal. And unfortunately, many times we flip that and we allow all of our horizontal relationships to come in and now begin to affect our vertical relationship with God. But that's not the way that God has, has designed us to live. He's designed us to have a connection with him. Therefore, it can what? Go out and influence and affect other people. But yet we make that relationship optional many times. And we wonder why we feel alone. It's because you've pulled away from your identity of who you actually are. Because you're trying to live a natural life when you are way more than a natural person. Because you are a spirit. You are a spirit. It's the eternal, ever-living part of you. You have a soul. You have a mind, a will, and emotions. But you have a body, and yet the majority of our thought, the majority of our attention, the majority of our energy is expensed at what? On something that is dying. The moment you were born, your body began to decay. Now, the good news is it does replenish. You lose skin, you lose hair every day. And guess what? It grows back. It, 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 that's a good thing. But we spend so much thought, so much energy on this external many times. And yet the external, and, 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 and the danger is that we can tie our identity to what is the external. But that's not the real part of you. The real part of you is your spirit man. And Paul even talks about it in Romans 7, Romans 8. He said, man, there's like this crazy war. There's this battle going on on the inside of me. Like, I know what I should do, and I, but I don't do it. What's wrong with me? And he says, man, I'm wretched. And he says, thank God for Jesus. Why? And what he's saying is, I'm identifying with who I really am, which is I'm now a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. I have become new. That's my new identity. That should be your new identity. But if you don't have that, you will feel alone. You will feel isolated. Why? Because when I allow God to come into my life, he becomes my identity. The Bible tells us in Proverbs that he is the friend who will be closer than anyone else, closer than any relationship, any family member. And that relationship and that connection is so vital See, there's a quote from a guy named Blaise uh, Pascal, and it's really interesting. And, and, and he says it, which many people have heard this term, but it kind of comes from a statement from a book that he had written many years ago. And it says that there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by, the, by God the creator who made known, or who, who made known through Jesus Christ. 
We would say it like this, like, oh, you've probably heard this phrase, there's a God-shaped hole on the inside of every person. There's a space that only God can fulfill. And until, that's, until that is filled, you will always have a sense of loneliness. Because nothing created will ever fill that space. Why? Because the creator intentionally left a blank spot for him and him alone. And it doesn't matter all the stuff. It doesn't matter all the relationships. You can have more friends than you know what to do with. I mean, I have a good friend of mine when I left Arkansas who lived about 40 miles away. And when I left and we had merged our churches, I called him and I said, hey, I need you to be a friend to my buddy here in El Dorado. Now, these are both pastors. I said, I need you. And and here was, he told me this later. He said, my thought was, I don't need another friend. I got plenty of friends. I don't need another one. And And I told him, I said, look, as a favor to me, be a friend to my friend. You're close. He's gonna need face to face. So not even six months ago, I was with them. And this is what the guy that I called and said, hey, would you be a friend of my friend said. He said, I became a friend to you because he asked me to. But I had no idea how much of a friend I needed. And he looked at me and said, thank you. Thank you for asking me to be a friend to your friend because I needed a friend. I just didn't know it. And that is important. And we have those natural relationships and even those God relationships. They're vitally important, but they are not ultimate. The ultimate is a, is a, a walk and a relationship with God. In John chapter 7, verse 37 and 38, Jesus stands up and he makes this statement. He says, if any man is thirsty, let me, if you'll allow me, I'm going to edit it a little bit. If any man is lonely, let him come to me and let him drink. Verse 38 says, he who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being would flow uh, rivers of living water. And he spoke about the spirit whom those who believed in him would receive for the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So let me settle this. Jesus has been glorified. The Holy Spirit is here. So we're on the other side of this. And yet Jesus said that what? From our innermost being, you know, and one of the definitions of this in the Greek is this. It means a hole or an empty place. Many times in scriptures it's translated as belly or womb. From your, like other translations say, from your belly will flow rivers of living water. What's that talking about? It's talking about the abundance of what? Your relationship with God. Living water flows from a relationship with God that nothing else will feel. I mean, I remember years and years and years ago, I had a guy tell me this and it stuck with me. I mean, probably 20 plus years ago. He said, always live from your overflow, not your undertow. Live from the overflow of your life with God, not from the undertow of life and you getting drugged behind it. Well, that means I've got to spend some time and develop that relationship with God. And yet it's going to what? Come. Because what, and, and here's the danger, is that we can be saved. And we can go to try to pull up some water out of that well. But if we haven't, what, primed the pump, if we haven't spent some time with the Lord, it'll just be another empty well. And people leave churches all the time because of this. 
Well, I just wasn't getting the same thing out of church that I used to. Okay, let's talk about your investment. Well, I don't know. No, no, no. I got needs, and the church needs to meet my needs. Yeah, but you're responsible for you. Amen. And there is a well on the inside of you, the Bible tells us. It doesn't mean the church doesn't have a part. I believe in the church. I've given my life to it. I think it's pretty important. But even in, in that, church in and of itself is not the end-all, be-all. The Bible says that there is a well that what? Will bring life to my life. C.S. Lewis in the book Mere Christianity has a, a, a phrase that he, or a statement that he makes, but he, and I think it's interesting. He says, I, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this life can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If I find a desire in me that nothing in this life can satisfy, it means, hey, guess what? It's what I was just talking about. It means that you are a spirit and your spirit man wants to be fed. I mean, you can go eat a buffet and be full physically and yet not be full spiritually. They're different. So you are a spirit. But when we ignore that spirit life, that connection with God, all other relationships will be lacking. We'll run and try to fill up the tank everywhere else, but none of them will satisfy. It won't happen. See, you are a spirit, and you need a spiritual connection with your creator. No amount of serving or running around, helping people, doing things, being nice, being godly to people. Those are all good things, yes. But sometimes our relationship with God gets sacrificed on the altar of serving God. We can't allow that to happen. We have to what? Pursue that relationship with God. Now, I don't have time to go through it all, but in John chapter 4, there's an account of a woman at a well. And I'm not even going to read, the, I'm not going to read it in context or nothing because I ain't got time. We'll be here too long. But I want to read one scripture out of the interaction that Jesus has with this Samaritan woman. Because Jesus asked her for some water and she goes, you ain't even got a bucket. Why would you ask me? And Jesus responds to her and says this. He says, if you only knew the gift of God. That's what I would tell many of you today. If you only knew the gift that God has for you. You wouldn't have to deal with all of the emotions and the feelings of loneliness that you deal with if you only knew. So my job is to help you know. He said, if you only knew the gift that God has for you and who you were speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. They're at a well and Jesus says, give me a drink, give me a cup to drink out of. And, and she says, you... And there's this whole dialogue. I won't go into the background of why it mattered. But, but the reality is, is that she was thinking natural. Jesus was thinking eternal. And yet he's trying to get her to connect the dots. See, her desire was to what? Satisfy her need for the moment. Because what? She was going to have to come back the next day or the next day or whenever it may be. She was going to have to come back and what? Get another jar of water to take home. Yet Jesus says that I would give you what? He says, I will give you living water. That you ain't got to come back to this well and keep 
pulling water out. Why? Because she was looking at an external need. Jesus was speaking to an internal need. Very different. Jesus was offering her something eternal. Now, the story goes is that Jesus asks, hey, where's your husband? She goes, oh, he at home. And he says, well, not really because you ain't married to him, but your other husband. <laughs> so he started reading her mail, which, you know. And she's like, you must be a prophet. You smart, lady. <laughs> but see, what happened is that Jesus was speaking at a much different level than she was. And many times we can approach church, we can approach our relationship with God that way. And because we approach it from a strictly natural perspective, it produces thoughts and feelings and what? A loss of identity. Because we forget who we are. And because we lose our identity, we lose our purpose, we lose our meaning. Like if I did nothing, nothing, man, I, I know what I'm called to do. I know the reason God placed me on the planet. But my identity is not tied to preaching. For a long time, it was. Like I was lost. If I, if I wasn't preaching, I'm like, I don't, I don't know who I am. That's not the case today. I know who I am. And whether I preach great or if I preach horrible, it doesn't change my value. Jesus died for me, not for what I do. See, and some of you have, I even say that, and I believe we are to make a difference. But you need to come to the place of understanding that Jesus died for me, not what I do for him. Jesus didn't just save me for good works. I think there's an element of that, yes. But no, he died for me. And, my, and, and there's identity in that. There's belonging in that. And the enemy would love to get you away from that very core truth is that you belong to God. You see, the Bible says that the moment that we got saved, what, the Holy Spirit comes to the inside of us. That we have God in us. That's what made us come alive in Christ. It's the breath of the Holy Spirit. That's why we say the term being born again. You are born anew, afresh. Something changed on the inside of you. So you're never alone. But you know, me and my wife, we could live in the same house and never be in the same room. I could, for that matter, we could be in the same room and I could just turn on the TV and just zone out. You hear what I'm saying to you? Absolutely not. I'm watching TV. She's even asked me, how do you do that? Kids are running around screaming. Just. She's even told me, she's jealous. It's a gift from the Lord, you know. And all the men said, amen. Now, see, a, a true sense of acceptance or belonging or identity will never come from anything external. It's impossible. Why? Because God placed a part in us that only he could fulfill. And your true identity can only come from him. Why? Because he's the designer. He designed and custom made you a certain way and only he knows how to unlock that code. So that, that identity will never come from the external. Everything external is what? They're empty and they're shallow wells. Just like that woman, you got to come back to the well and back to the well and back to the well and back to the well. 
I'm going to the watering hole again. Let's go. Why? Because it, de- it never truly satisfied. And that's what happens. I mean, we, have our, we all have our things. And it's like as soon as that thing ends, we're on to the next one. Just whatever it is. Hunting season's over. Time to go fishing. Spawning season's coming. Let's go. And we just jump from one thing after another after another. And yet we're missing out on actual significance. See, when we're connected to the Holy Spirit, what? There's that wellspring of life that begins to flow in us. So here's my question for you this week, because this is important. Every week, you have 168 hours. Every week. So let's just say that you give two hours every Sunday to church. So the question is, is what are you doing with the other 166 hours? What are you doing to feed the part of you that will actually give you belonging? Now, I didn't do the math, but let's say you you slept eight hours a day, seven days, 56 hours, right? So now you're down to 110 hours, just like that. If you work, you start chopping it down. You only have so much disposable time, so much usable time in a week. But how are you using the hours that you have that will give you meaning and purpose and belonging? Because if you're wasting those hours, you will be alone. You will, you will have this unbelievable void of loneliness, And it's important that we recognize these things, that we pay attention to these things. And so how are we connecting with God throughout the week? Because two hours on Sunday is not enough. I mean, I, I saw a shirt the other day and I liked it, is it. And it said, Jesus is more than Sunday. I saw another one that said, Jesus isn't a weekend thing. Why? Because coming for a couple hours on Sunday ain't enough. It's good. I believe in it. But if that's the the depth of of your spiritual interaction of a week, it's minimal. It is minimal. So how are we leveraging the rest of our time? In Acts chapter 17, I'm going to read verses uh, 25 through 27. It says, God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord over the land and the sky. He says, he does not live in temples built with human hands. That's important. I've said it many times. Hey, this is a, a church building, yes. But God doesn't live in the building. God leaves when we leave. Why? Because he's in us. It says, God doesn't live in temples built with human hands. This God is the only one. He's the one who gives life, who gives breath and everything else to people. He does not need any help from them. He doesn't, or he has everything that he needs. It says, God began by making one person, that being Adam, and from him came all the different people who live everywhere in the world. God decided exactly when and where they must live. God decided that on whatever today's date is, what is today? 23rd of February that you would be sitting in Lake Charles, Louisiana. 
that you would be listening to a message today, right now. God decided these things. In verse 27, it says, God wanted them to look for him and perhaps search all around for him and find him. God wanted them to look for him and search for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. See, the thing is that we find out is that when we search for God is that he was actually right there all along. We didn't have to go looking for him. We just needed to stop and surrender for a moment. The Bible says that God will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will never abandon us. He will never leave us without aid, support, or help. Why? He's always with us. And yet many times we can feel very isolated and alone. Anytime we start looking to other things, and yet God alone gives life. God alone gives identity. God alone, nobody else. Look, you may feel far from God right now in this moment. You may feel like a million miles away from God. But the truth is that he's closer than you think. He is closer than you think. He's closer than you realize. So real quick, I'm going to give you a couple things. And these are just practical ways to connect with God. This isn't anything new. It's not anything like, oh, wow, I've never thought about that. But it's about making the priority. So here's some ways that you can connect with God. You've got to give him some time and some space. You've got to create some space for God to come in and feel. See, many times the problem is that we approach God full of ourself, and there's nowhere for him to feel. And so then we leave seemingly empty-handed, and we're mad at God saying, well, I didn't get anything. It's because we came full of ourself. We came full of what we wanted, what we had, our agenda. But when we come to God after we've created some time and some space for him, now there's somewhere for him to come in and feel. And that's important. We've got to create that, that space. We can read the word of God. It's such a powerful tool. I mean, it, it is unbelievably powerful when we would allow God's word to, to really get into our heart. You're like, well, I've read it. Keep reading it. Keep reading it. When do I know I've read it enough? When you get it. When the light bulb moment hits, now you've got some wisdom. Like, yeah, but I just don't seem to be getting it. Pray. Ask the Holy Spirit. Open up my eyes to see. Let the word come alive to me. Another way is, and I just talked about it, is through prayer, through worship. Ask the Holy Spirit. Hey, Holy Spirit, draw me in. You're on the inside of me. The Bible says you're my, you're my guide. You're the one who comes alongside of me to walk and to lead me. So help me. Be my guide. Ask the Holy Spirit. Hey, help me to be sensitive to you when you speak. Begin to ask the Lord for that. You can fellowship with other believers. Get in a small group. It's not the end-all, be-all, but hey, it'll help you. It'll bless you. It'll be good to you for you. You can read a devotional or, or get a, a, a faith-centered book. We have resources out there. So there's a few books out there, but there's a bunch. I mean, it's the power of the Internet. Go find you a, a book. I mean, we live in the, the, the technology age. 
There's no shortage of preaching. There's no shortage of access of information. I mean, you can listen to sermons every moment of every day if you wanted to and never run out. And that's saying if the internet broke today and we never added anything else. Like, well, what's the big deal about preaching? Faith comes by hearing the word of God. And it stirs you up and it feeds your spirit, man. And here's the last one, seventh one. Many of you have heard me preach enough. You know this is the one I struggle with probably the most of all of these. And I didn't have it in my notes and the Lord reminded me of it. I'm like, Dad, gum it. And it's rest. How do you connect to God is by rest. So I get all convicted by that one because I don't like to rest. I like to do. I like to accomplish. I like to, let's go. And yet many times we get so tired that we think, oh, I need to go isolate. No, you need to go recharge. There's a difference. I mean, you know, we all make jokes like, oh, I go on vacation. I need a vacation for my vacation. Why? Because you didn't recharge. You went and ran on vacation, and you came home exhausted because you didn't recharge. See, a tired mind gets to be very cluttered very quick, and it's just like, uh, <laughs> no, you got to rest. Slow down, calm down, take a breath. See, we want to we be in recognition that, hey, we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, is that we actually are never alone. Why? Because we have God living on the inside of us. We can talk to at any moment. Like, well, I, I don't know what to say. Just pray like you talk. Doesn't have to be any different. Just pray like you talk. And you're going to find God. Why? Because he's not far. He's near. Would you let me pray for you this morning?